98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday. Swing and a floater. There's his first big league hit. It's going to score two. Carroll's on his way to second. He's got a two-run double, and the Diamondbacks lead at 9-7. to seven. Welcome to the bigs, buddy. You've already impressed us. Mitch Ferreldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry behind the glass. That was the first major league hit of quite a few this week from Corbin Carroll. I like him. Do you like him so I much like him. that you want to pay him? Uh, and do you want to pay him right now? I'll let you make the case for doing so. Uh, I will probably take an opposite opinion on this one. Okay, that's fine. So the idea came about after Julio Rodriguez, who's an outfielder for the Mariners. This is his rookie season. Made the all-star team. He was in the home run derby. He just lost to Juan Soto in the final round. He's been making a name for himself so far this year. And about two weeks ago, was it? A couple of weeks ago, he signed a contract with the Mariners that at base level is seven years and 105 and it will carry until 2029. And you're thinking, okay, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Here's the kicker. It's got three separate options attached to it. <laughs> it's a very confusing contract. It's a very confusing contract. So to simplify it as best as I can, there's a club option after the base salary that would be for either 8 to 10 years and either 200 or $350 million. That's option number one. There's option number two, which is the player option, which is five years and $90 million, and then $35 million worth of incentives. Yeah. And then there's the mutual option, which is $168 million and would carry for six years after the initial deal. So why am I bringing this up? It's because the Mariners know exactly what they want and they know exactly what they're getting. However... They're approaching this in such a unique way that literally both parties win. And I think the Diamondbacks need to do the exact same thing with Corbin Carroll. So there is some precedent in a couple of different manners here. You're right. We are starting to see more contracts being handed out to guys who haven't really accomplished a whole lot. Now, Julio Rodriguez had a fantastic season. He's going to win Rookie of the Year. Yes. Like you mentioned, he was runner-up in the Home Run Derby, which is kind of cool. He's a great player. He was an all-star, all those things. They're going to make the playoffs for the first time in 22 years, and he's going to be a massive part of it. We've seen contracts handed out to guys who hadn't played a lick. We saw Wander Franco get 11 years, $182 million without basically without doing anything. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, it hasn't worked all the time. John Singleton, remember him? Yeah, that was a bad one. Scott Kingery, Arizona products with the Phillies. Not great. Yep. He hasn't played much. Yep. It, it doesn't always work. It does not always work. Sometimes you get the Ronald Acuna contract. Eight years, $100 million. That is such a steal. He signed that at age 21. Speaking of the Braves, Michael Harris, who just came up this season as a rookie, looks pretty good, plays a good center field. Michael Harris just signed an eight-year $72 million. Key Brian Hayes with the Pirates didn't play much before he signed an eight-year $70 million deal. Luis Robert with the White Sox signed for six years $50 million before doing much in the major leagues. So my point is simply this. Julio Rodriguez has already been up for almost a full season. Yep. He's hitting well at the major league level. He's one of the best players in the majors. Yep. They know that. Yes. That's why they felt comfortable doing a deal with him. Yes. 
Corbin Carroll has been up for a week. Well, I'm not saying do it... Five days, actually. I'm not saying do it, like, right now, right now, right now, right now. You right said now. now. Well, so here's you what I mean. You said pay him and pay him now. Can here's we roll it back to the tease? Can we get the tease from last... He said now, right? That's what I heard. Can I emphasize what I mean by now? Because now can be such a pejorative term. I don't know what that means. Don't patronize me with big words. I don't want to sit around and watch <laughs> Corbin Carroll blaze through opposing pitchers for four more years of arbitration. Okay. That's a fair argument. I don't want to sit so here. So by now, you meant in the next four years. I don't want to sit here and watch Corbin Carroll amaze D-backs fans be the best-selling jersey on the team. But next year, he's got a he's got a legal proceeding because he's got to figure out how much he's owed in arbitration. I don't want to sit here and watch Corbin Carroll be the most dazzling thing the Diamondbacks have had. Right now, he's getting compared to since Justin Upton. I will say even better than Justin Upton. But then watch him get traded the year before he's eligible to be a free agent. If the Diamondbacks are confident enough that this guy is here, he is now, and he's never going to see a minor league playing field again, pay him. Lock him up and don't turn your back on him. I think it helps the Diamondbacks case that a contract like Julio Rodriguez happened this season because it's the first of its kind you have a model now well yeah so like it's interesting it's the first of its kind because it deals with the now and it deals with the future it pays you a couple hundred million now like you're going to get this for sure yes just like all those names i just listed off you're going to get a hundred million plus you're going to be a rich dude thanks to us thanks to this contract for the next seven or eight years but then also if you happen to be an mvp and you're and you're kicking butt for all those seven or eight years incentives boom here's an extra contract on top of that we don't have to wait for you to hit free agency we'll just give it to you right and we'll throw in a player option or a mutual option where if you think that you're worth more then go ahead take up that option so it's the most creative contract ever written in baseball even more creative than the bobby bonilla deal <laughs> well that one took a few strides to so, get right yes to your point you could do something with corbin carroll i think that it probably haps happens at least a year from now because you do need to see that he can continue to do this at the major league level but i will say this and i think this actually probably helps your point more than mine <laughs> i in, like that in the 2022 season this year, yes, Corbin Carroll has more home runs, more stolen bases, more walks, more total bases, more doubles, more triples, more runs than Julio Rodriguez. When you combine all of Carroll's stats from Double AA, A, Triple A, and the major leagues, yes, he's had a better year than Julio. He's got a higher batting average. He has a higher on-base percentage. He has a higher slugging percentage. And he's done it all in 48 less plate appearances. Now, granted, a lot of them happened in AA. A lot of them happened in AAA. Not a lot of them in the major leagues. So my point is simple. You might have the next Julio Rodriguez here. Or how about this? you don't know that he's going to be that again in a full calendar year of major league pitching against You want a better comp? You might have the next Mookie Betts. Okay. A lethal combination of speed, defense, and power and contact at the plate. I don't think of Mookie as elite speed, to be honest. I think he's a pretty fast guy. I don't think he's I don't think he's a 
don't know, think he's Corbin Carroll. Let, when let you me put think it that of way. speed, do you think about it from base stealing, or do you think about how much ground he can cover? Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. And because I think Mookie Betts is the kind of guy that has speed with ground to cover. That's a really interesting comp. An undersized guy who's got a ton of pop. Mookie I mean, Betts is even shorter than Corbin Carroll. Yeah. And like Gambo's made the point, like the Diamondbacks aren't necessarily expecting 30 home runs a year from Carroll. And yet, I'm sure the Red Sox weren't expecting a second baseman to be hitting 30-plus home runs. Right. And Mookie's got 32 this year. Yeah, he might hit 40 this season. That's an interesting comp. And it made me think, too, of Jose Altuve. He never had elite Size-wise, yeah. I just think undersized guy. I just think the build, the talent, and the ability, and the fact that they play and will play the same position for years to come, you can't do what the Red Sox did and just trade him away when he gets too expensive. You have him right here and now. Keep him. How badly do you want him? Show him. So the difficult part of re-signing a player at this point, like so early in their major league career, is that they don't want to give up those free agency years. They're fine with giving up the arbitration years. They know they're going to be here anyway. That's fair. It's a two-way street. So when Julio signed this deal, I believe he gave up two years of his free agency, but at a much higher cost to the team. They're willing to give him extra money that's going to basically pay it off because he would have been made, making a lot less in arbitration and team-controlled right. years. So that's the hard part about getting a deal done, is that how much is Corbin Carroll willing to stick around for? And maybe this goes to your credit, too. I feel like I'm making your point for you. Jeez. Mike Hazen... Well, okay, do you want Corbin Carroll or not? Absolutely. Okay. But I think that it's probably likely that you're going to have to sign him next year. After you see him do it at the major league level, That's I don't fine. want to do the Wander Franco. That's fine. 182 million for a player who hasn't done anything. But yet. I also don't want what the Yankees are doing with Aaron Judge. He might be somewhere else next year. Granted, he's going to be 31 years old when he hits the open market. But that dude is literally going to break Roger Maris's home run record and then waltz out the door. I, I don't think so. I think he'll stick around. He'll test free agency, but I think he'll stick in New York. I really do. I'm just saying, there are but there's better ways to handle this situation, and the Yankees and the Red Sox are prime examples of what not to do. So the next question is, if you're going to hand $100 million, $150 million or more to a Corbin Carroll-type player, are the Diamondbacks even the team that would do that? Because we know that they don't spend as much. We know that they, they've pretty much stuck around the 80 to $120 million payroll range. And here's the thing, though. Mike Hazen has a little bit of experience doing something like this. When Cattell Marte was brought into the organization, they offered him five years, $24 million. That's certainly not a huge deal. But at the time, he had not done a thing. Mm-hmm. And they offered $24 million to Cattell Marte. A year later, what did he do? He's top five in the MVP voting. All-star they, starter. They were banking on Cattell Marte being worth more than they were offering him. It was great money for a guy who hadn't done anything in the league. $24 million? Sure, I'll do that in a heartbeat. Yes. But they were banking on him getting better and improving and being their best player. And lo and behold, that happened. So could you do it with Corbin Carroll? This, yeah, you could totally do it. But I like, think you need to wait until he does it at the major league level for a full season. Okay. Sure. Or close to it. I'm with you there. But I'm not going to sit through arbitration. Here's no, the other I don't thing. Want to either. This is the perfect kind of a contract setup for a team exactly like the Diamondbacks. Are the Mariners a major market team? No. Do they have top ten, top fifteen payroll in the league? I haven't checked recently, Not but I that I'm imagine, aware of. I would imagine no. They do have one of the most aggressive general managers in baseball. The Atlanta Braves. 
They did not pay Freddie Freeman this offseason. They did, however, get creative with contracts for Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna Jr., Austin Riley, Michael Harris, and even Matt Olson when they acquired him from the Oakland A's. Pretty much everybody except for Dansby. They probably have a top 10 payroll. I can, I can admit that. But they're also being very creative in their spending. The Mariners' payroll is 22nd in the league okay. at 114, $115 million. So next year it'll be a little different, but you're afforded the luxury because you're not spending the money this year. And then where are the Braves? The Braves are ninth, $182 million currently for this season. Now, remember, a lot of those guys signed deals this season, so yes. it's going to go up in the next couple of years. So here's what I want to emphasize. The Diamondbacks are 26th, $82 million this year. Here's, here's what I'll make my final emphasis as, and then we'll get out of here. This gives you the opportunity to, to make those big deals without necessarily killing your bank account. This is exactly what every mid-major or lower market team should be doing when handling signing players. Pay them lower and pay them for more years, get them done with arbitration, give them the money they want now, and they will be nothing but your benefit for you while the time they're under contract. I think we're leaving out one huge question. Who is Corbin Carroll's agent? If it's Scott Boris, then we'll have a different conversation. I was going to say, if it's Scott Boris, we could just throw away everything we just said over the last 10 minutes because he's going to free agency. Hey, coming up next, there's no NFL games this weekend, but Mitch and I are still going to go around the NFL, give you all the latest headlines in the National Football League. That is next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday takes you around the NFL. That's right. You hear the music. Steve's bumping his fists back and forth. He's ready to rock and roll. So we go around the NFL here on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Veraldis and Steve Zinsmeister back here with you. We're going to start with a lot of quarterbacks. There's a lot of quarterback news that went around today. But the one that people are talking about the most, which I kind of want people to stop talking about. But here we are. We're going to talk about it. Tom Brady. He's back with the Bucks. After his 10-day extended absence. Steve, you're already shaking your head. Rolling my eyes. What's going on? Talk to me. Tom Brady. Do you have the clip? Yep. Okay, so play the clip first, and then I'll give you my immediate reaction. All right. Tom Brady was asked, why did he take time off? It's all personal. You know, everyone's got different situations they're dealing with, so we all have really unique challenges to our life, and I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of going on, so, you know, you just kind of try to figure out life the best you can, and, you know, it's a... uh, Continuous process. There's a lot of bleep going on. Man, I feel that. I'm 29 and I feel that. I'd feel I that if I was 45 and a hundred millionaire and had a beautiful wife and children and a beautiful house and lived in Florida, all those things. I'm here to tell you 2022 will finally be the downfall of Tom Brady. How much of a downfall? I think this is it. I think 2022 is it for Tom Brady. I think he's gone after this year. I think he's not going to be very good this year. year. I'm not into the Buccaneers this season. I think they still have some talented players, but I I don't buy into Tom Brady anymore. I hate to speculate about people's personal lives, but I think something is up between him and Giselle. (laughs) You saw that story? Well, there was a New York Post, and believe me, I take the New York Post for what it is. Um, but there was a story about how they're arguing over whether or not he should have come back, right? That he should have been done. I'm I'm sure she's in the camp of, I would love to have you home and be with the family, and he's of the camp where, "Ah, I just want to play football. 
I'm saying that a lot of athletes, their downfall isn't necessarily just because they got bad at the sport. It was because something else was going on in their lives. And as Tom Brady put it, at age 45, he's got a lot of bleep going on. <laughs> 2022 will be the downfall of Tom Brady. Must be whatever that's in that uh, that uh, TB12 diet. It's got a lot of bleep going on. It's got a lot of money rolling. A lot of bleep going on. Can I just say really quickly, I don't know why everybody cares so much. I'm obviously in the minority. Because he's the greatest football player ever. Okay, but that's my exact argument. Why do people care if he leaves? And the answer is, he's the greatest football player of all time. We shouldn't care this much. We really shouldn't. Well, I thought that a lot of people didn't care when he left. They was like, oh, okay. And then he That's decided. What I felt. But then he decided to come back. That's why this is a story, Mitch. Because he came I'd, back. I'd, I think it's stupid that we're making a big deal out of this. Don't worry. He it's, won't be around long. It's like that dude left for a personal reason. So what? He wants to tape the mask singer. Like, get over it. Like, who cares? By the way, that's going to be the most anticlimactic episode of The Masked Singer ever. When they unveil it's Tom Brady, we're all going to go, oh, yeah. When they bring in the guy that's dressed up in a goat outfit, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're not going to be surprised. Here's what was surprising. The San Francisco 49ers, I believe it was two weeks ago we talked about how they have fully shipped, which is a uh, expression for saying, like, we endorse you. They have shipped Trey Lance as their starting quarterback. And so the immediate thought is, all right, well, roster cutdowns are Tuesday, so they're just going to have to cut Jimmy G, right? Because they can't find a trade partner. And to that I say, you are wrong, sir. Instead, they restructured his contract, and he's going to be with the Niners until the end of this season. And now we're all kind of scratching our heads wondering why. Nah, I still don't buy it. I think that they are going to flip uh, Jimmy G to Cleveland. I firmly believe that he will play in Cleveland. Well, so there's there's a trade aspect to this new deal, I think I read. Oh, is there like a no-trade clause? Something to the ilk of that. Let me find it. You Why go would ahead. you sign up for that? Well, I'll If let, another team yeah, has yeah, yeah. an injured quarterback and they want you, why would you how, not want to do how that? How about this? I'll let Jimmy G explain. I think things worked out for the best. You know, there was a lot of uh, ups and downs, rocky roads here and there, but I think throughout the whole thing, you know, me, I'm happy with where I'm at, happy to be with the Niners. I think the Niners are happy to have me back, and it's, uh, you know, I think things are working out pretty well. No! None of that was true! <laughs> Tell, tell me you listened to that and you believed a word he just of course said. I don't believe him. No. The four, first of all, the 49ers, yeah, sure, they're okay with you being back, but they're moving on from you, dude. They're moving on from you the same way the Patriots well, moved appara- on from apparently you. Apparently they're not. Here's the uh, breakdown from Mike Garofolo. He gets incentives of 500000 total in per-game roster bonuses. <laughs> 250000 for each game he takes 25% or more of the offensive snaps. So what, they're going to play both of them? 100000 for each of those games that he wins. 500000 for one playoff game he takes 50% or more of the offensive snaps. 500000 for 50% or more of the offensive snaps in the conference championship game. 500000 if he wins the conference championship. And then a million if he takes 50% or more of the snaps in the Super Bowl. He doesn't even have to win. Why would you sign that contract? If you thought that they were moving on from you and moving on to Trey Lance. By the way, if you're a 49ers fan and you thought that this was a smart deal they just made with Jimmy G, here's the smartest deal you could make. Play Jimmy G. All you do is win when he plays. Who cares if he's flashy? Who cares if he's mobile? Guys, he's Who cares if he gets injured? He's also you win. 30 years old. Like he's not old. No. 
This Just is play the guy. This is ridiculous. Why are we moving on to Trey Lance? Because he's flashier? Because he runs a little better? Can he accomplish what they want? I don't know. We'll None see. of that makes sense. And no, he's not happy that he's back. Come on. Okay. Hasn't played in like two years? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Do they just put all that faith in Trey Lance and they just know it's going to work? People are thinking they're going to out- oust the Cardinals in the division this year. Like, okay, I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it. He's going to be a Brown. I'll tell you what I do believe because I've seen it. Russell Wilson who, if you didn't hear, got a contract extension with his newest team, Denver, guaranteeing him the next seven years of his career. So he's covered until age 40, I believe. Yeah, the most interesting thing about this contract is that it actually undoes a precedent that was already done this offseason. When Cleveland offered Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed $230 million deal, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden everyone's like, whoa, is that what it takes to get a starting star quarterback now we have to fully guarantee the entire contract but then kyler murray's deal comes out that's not fully guaranteed russell wilson gets an extension that's not fully guaranteed so the most interesting thing about this to me is that the rest of the league looked at what cleveland did and they were like you guys are desperate and we are not going to do that with our quarterbacks so it's a five-year 245 million dollar contract Guaranteed at signing 124 million and 161 in total guarantees. So he just edged out Kyler. By the way, they're going to be so much better with Russell Wilson than who was I don't even remember who was there. Any of the quarterbacks that filled the gap between him and Peyton Manning. Uh, Two more things, really quickly. Go for it. Aaron Donald, the dual helmet wielder. Oh yeah, at the Bengals Rams practice said it was basically just that. Um, not really. It was just a practice and, you know, practice football. So um, I don't really want to go back to nothing negative that happened and, and talking about something that happened at a practice. Um, my main focus is Buffalo. So we're talking about practice, man. Like, seriously? Yeah, I don't want to talk on. about that time I almost killed a guy by yeah, hitting seriously. him in the head with a helmet. I don't want to talk about that. And, of course, he's not going to get suspended because it's under team supervision and blah. All right. I want to end on a positive note. And, Steve, you actually have a little more insight into this situation than I do. No pressure. But the Houston Texans announced that they're going to host the Uvalde High School football team. Yeah. And their opener against the Colts this next Sunday. And they're, they're, I read some of the story. They're putting them in a suite. Like, they are guests of honor. It's a pretty cool thing. And you were saying you were watching their high school team yesterday. Yeah, I was watching some of their highlights. It was pretty remarkable. Uvalde High School won its uh, home opener. It was incredible. It was their first home game since the shooting. They had an incredible play with, I think, like 30 seconds left. They won 34-28. to 28. Uh, They basically won in a walk-off. Like, an incredible 51-yard run that went all the way to the left sideline, turned around, went all the way back to the right sideline and up the field. Wow. It was just remarkable to watch. And, you know, like, stories like those are incredible. I remember the Astros brought in a bunch of the kids from Robb Elementary. Uh-huh. I feel like the Houston community, especially after we saw all those hurricanes a few years back, I think it was Hurricane Maria or whichever one it was. Rita? Re- well, Rita was the first one. Long time ago, right after Katrina. Harvey, Harvey, Harvey that's there the one. it is. Harvey was the bad one. And uh, that, that community just continues to inspire. And now, obviously, Uvalde is not Houston, it's it's further south. But yes. Um, Man, Still a grand really gesture. cool to watch. Really good. I love gesture. high school football, so it's cool to see. Those are the news and notes around the NFL. When we come back, we'll switch things over to the hardwood because it sounds like the Suns have found a shooting solution. That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 
93.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday. Hey, thanks for checking out Arizona Sports Saturday. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch Vareldis with you. Trevor Henry's behind the glass for us. He wants us to get on his level. I can tell. You know I don't understand music references. Well, it's you just know the, this about me. It's just the name of the song. All right, fair enough. I'll keep it simple for you. It was a uh, it was a fantastic summer doing the show with you, Mitch. We Why? spent week after week after week speculating on whether or not Kevin Durant was coming to Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, and that was none of that came to fruition. <sighs> That's like we've experienced this in Phoenix before, haven't we? <laughs> or in a Arizona or in general, a time or two. Not to this level, though. I wouldn't say. But one aspect of the Kevin Durant conversation could end up coming to fruition. Okay. At the time, I want to say it was a month or so ago, I did a show with Gambo in the afternoons where he said something to the effect of, you know, there's a, there's a scenario where the Suns get more than just Kevin Durant. And I was just blown away. I'm like, more than Kevin Durant? What, what more could you want? What more could you need after you get Kevin Durant? And he threw out the idea at the time, granted this is a month ago or so, that the Suns might be able to land Kevin Durant, but also get a role player or two back. Somebody like Utah's Boyan Bogdanovich. Ding, 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 ding. Yesterday, Gambo reports that the Suns have reached out to Utah with interest in Boyan Bogdanovich. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. Obviously, remember, uh, Wait, there what? Were, remember there were, there was a time where Gambo reported that the Jazz were somewhat interested in DeAndre Ayton. Doesn't mean it came to fruition. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of... There were a lot more hoops to that conversation. Nice. I've used pejorative more times than I can count in my entire life just today on this show. Still don't know what that word means. There's a lot of terms and like a lot of specific words that came from that Ayton to the Jazz report. Interest in discussing the possibility of. Right. It didn't sound like they were sold on How about this? There's qualifiers. Right. There's way more qualifiers than you would have needed. They have interest in discussing the possibility of. Right? This is straight up, oh, the Suns reached out to the Jazz and asked about Boyan Bogdanovich. This I find more concrete than that Aiton report. Just because there were so many, as you termed it, hoops to go through. Yeah, so many hoops to jump through. Uh, So here's here's kind of the the skinny on Bogdanovich. He's a 32-year-old, I would say, small forward. 33, actually. 33? Oh, okay. At least according to our story on Arizona Sports.com. Yeah, you're right. He was 32 during the season. I apologize. He scored 18 points per game this past season. Mm -hmm. He's a pretty good three-point shooter. He shot 39% from three this season. Uh, which means he made, I don't know, roughly like two and a half threes per game. He would be a small forward, possibly even powerful. I mean, you know that they run the three and the four pretty much simultaneously in Phoenix. I mean, they Mikel Bridges a, and Jay Crowder are both small forwards, but either one of them can defend the four. They haven't really had a true power forward since Dario Saric was starting. And they haven't done that for two or three years. Now, I don't really know much about Bogdanovich from a defensive standpoint. I would assume he's an okay 3 and D option. He's a guy that's going to get you a bucket. I mean, well, 18 points a game in 30 minutes is is pretty impressive. Well, so the thing is, is we all know that Utah's defense was dreadful last year. The right. only person that you could rely on on their defense was Rudy Gobert, who's also now gone. So Utah's defense wasn't the greatest last year. Is that all on Bogdanovich? No, not necessarily. But he's one of five guys on the floor responsible for making sure the opponent team doesn't 
score. So, like, as a as a compensation, you have to score a lot yourself. And Boyan Bogdanovich was a big part of that. Here's another thing I n- I'm noticing from our story on ArizonaSports.com. 69 starts last year. That's a good chunk of an 82-game season. Yeah, he's Which is starter. exactly what this team needs, is a guy that can score 18 in the starting lineup. Now, I think the number one question a lot of Suns fans would have is, okay, so you bring in a starting caliber player, what goes away in the trade is one part of the conversation, but also what player does he replace in the rotation? And I think you and I are on the same page that there's a little bit of drama going on right now around Jay Crowder. A little bit. He has played in Utah before. I don't know how that went or if he likes it there or if he wants to go back or what the case is. But I I know there was something about he pinned an Instagram that basically said uh, it was somebody saying that they hope that Miami gets him back. So there's some drama there. Does Jay Crowder want to be here? I don't know the answer to that. Right. But last season, Jay Crowder played... 28 minutes a game, almost the same as Bogdanovich, scored nine points per game. That's half of the scoring that you're going to get from Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. He shot 35% from three, which is just a slightly lower than Bogdanovich. And here's an interesting part of it, too. 79% from the free throw line for Jay, as opposed to 86% for Bogdanovich. So He's better free throw shooter, I think too. you and I can both agree that we're coming to a point of Boyan is an improvement shooting. Is he improvement defensively? We don't know. Here's, yeah, he's definitely where, a better offensive player. Here's where I'm going to defend Jay just a hair. Because this isn't necessarily his fault. That team runs through Paul and Booker. The Jazz had Donovan Mitchell as their leading scorer. Behind him, Rudy Gobert. And Boyan Bogdanovich was the third best option. And he could shoot from three. There's probably five or six guys I would expect to score more on a nightly basis than Jay Crowder. And Boyan's definitely one of them. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, and maybe even Cam Johnson. I would expect those five guys to score more than Jay Crowder on any given night. So, like generally, speaking. so like the argument that I'm trying to use to protect Jay in the art in the who can score better is that Jay gets less opportunities to shoot as a result of not being a top option, whereas. If you bring in Boyan and say this trade involves moving on from Jay, so now your starting lineup has Boyan and Mikhail and Chris and Devin and Aiton. How are they going to distribute the scoring? Like, is Boyan still going to be an 18-per-game guy in Probably Phoenix? not. Can he be 15? But there will also be times... I mean, I remember doing the post-game show after a game last season where Cam Johnson had like 24 points. It was, I think it was his career high at the time or something like that. And on any given night, you might need somebody else to step up. Bogdanovich is a guy that I feel pretty comfortable, whether it's off the bench or he's a starter, that if Booker's having an off night, okay, we can, we can divert a little bit to Bogdanovich. Whereas I agree. With Jay Crowder, I didn't feel that way offensively. I always felt that Crowder needed to be on the floor. I mean, defensively, he brings a lot to the table. He brings a lot of experience. Well, He's been were, to the finals. There's also times in the closing lineups it was not Jay out there because they needed the offense, and Cam Johnson was providing it that night. So this, to your point and to your defense, changes that because now Boyan can be in your closing lineups because he's a good three-point shooter. And maybe Bogdanovich is good enough defensively that it kind of it, it all comes out in the wash. I don't know. I haven't watched a ton of jazz games. Shocker. Um, but aside from when they played the Suns, I didn't really watch the Jazz last season. So, well, there was the maybe one, he's better defensively than I know. There was the one game where the Jazz absolutely collapsed against the Suns towards the end of the season. 
like that second to last game. Do you remember that one? They were on the road in Utah and they just looked all out of all out of sorts in the first half, and then in the second half they just completely blitzed Utah's defense because they had none. So here's the next question: What are you willing to give up in a trade? To get a guy like Bogdanovich, you know that Utah's rebuilding. They already shipped out Rudy Gobert for a haul. They shipped out Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland this uh, this week. They got back some interesting players and a bunch of first round picks. They're cleaning house. They're trying to give up anything of value to get any sort of draft compensation back. What would you give up if you're the Suns? I'm curious if you could, if it's only for Boyan. Because earlier we talked about including Jordan Clarkson. And Let's just to. focus on Bogdanovich for a second. If sec. it's only for Boyan, can you get away with only having to give up, up, give up one first round pick with a player package? Do you think you can get away with that? If you're Utah, you probably want. Well, you definitely want more than one pick if you're Utah. But if you're getting I one know they pick, do. You, do you really want a bunch of players? I mean, they just got a bunch of players from other places. But. On the Suns' side of the argument, you're only guaranteed Boyan for one season. That's true. So, like, can you negotiate with Utah enough to convince them that, no, you're only going to get one pick, besides the fact it's going to be such a late-round pick because we're going to go and we're going to win the finals this year that you may not even want more than one of our picks because we're going to be so good that these picks aren't even going to be lottery picks. Like, can you make that argument strong enough so that you're not giving up weight like a ton of capital. Yeah, and you know in the NBA you kind of have to match salaries to a certain extent when yeah. you make a trade. So even though he costs about 19 million this season in his age 33 season, you send back at least 15, 16 million probably in that deal. Jay You're, is 10. Yeah, so if you throw in Jay, maybe you throw in a Shamit or a campaign. If, or, you, if you can get off the Shamit contract, James Jones will be getting a key to the city. The Shamit contract is interesting to me because I, I it increases over time, right? It's going to get bigger, a lot bigger over time. To, to put it in short, they should have never even had him sign it. Yeah. Like, I was excited about Shamit when he came in, and then I, I didn't feel he had a significant role, particularly in the playoffs. I didn't he feel had no it. role in the playoffs. Yeah. So it's a, it's a contract, you're right, it's a very rare miss where I feel like they're already trying to get out from under that, and it, they haven't said that. It's our speculation that they would, yes. it would be nice for them to get out from under that. But yeah, if you make the Bogdanovich thing work on its own, I think it's probably two first-round picks because those picks are not particularly valuable. If you can get him and Jordan Clarkson for two firsts and a couple of players, you can tell Rubbing Mitch is excited together. about that one. Yeah. Look, if you get the both of them, I think this team is a finals contender. Period. End of story. We are one week away from the NFL season, and the Arizona Cardinals kicking off for their first week of games. They just locked up a player in a contract extension. I think it's a little more impactful than the rest of the nation seems to think. We'll tell you why. It's coming up next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. It's Arizona Sports Saturday. Closing things out on this Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Vareldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry behind the glass. Got about 10 minutes left, so we're going to talk of some Arizona Cardinals one week away from the start of the season. You down with that, Stevie Z? Am I down with what? Playing football again? No, with the Cardinals being back. Yeah, I was, I'm, I'm down I was with making it. my second consecutive song reference. And I, I didn't get it. 
I told you I wouldn't. I don't know why you would try again. We got to work on you, bro. I know. <laughs> I'm a lost cause, dude. I'm stuck in my ways. So are you down with OPP or nah? I'm so down. I guess I do not know you. Anyway, know. so the Cardinals one week away hosting the Chiefs, and they made some news yesterday. Positive news, let's say. They signed Jalen Thompson to a three-year contract extension. He's locked up through 2025 for what could be $40 million over the course of that contract. I think this is good. I mean, I think the first thing that teams look at when they look at the Cardinals is, okay, second. if you're just talking about the secondary, it's two really good safeties, Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. Yes, Jalen's starting to get the recognition that he deserves. I think he's an underrated player. I think he's played a little bit in the shadow of Buda because Buda became a very good player on this team very quickly. At a time where the Cardinals were transitioning off of Tyron Matthew, who was one of the more exciting undersized players maybe that the league's ever seen. And Buddha comes in and fills that gap very, very quickly. And, and I mean, he's like a missile out there. He became noticed very quickly, very early on in his so career. I think that made it a little harder for Jalen to break out of that shadow to, I mean, to really shine because he plays a similar position as Buddha, who is kind of a team leader. A lot of people see him as uh, as that, and he's a great locker room guy. He's one of the coolest dudes on the team. He fits the model of every single characteristic that gets you noticed in this league. Jalen not being noticed has nothing to do with Jalen, I feel like, in a lot of ways. And it shouldn't. He's a great player in his own right. I think he's super athletic. I think he's very good at a lot of things. He's not just a one-trick pony. And I think that the Cardinals probably have the best secondary, uh, the best safety tandem in all of the NFL. And now they're both paid like it. Now, here's here's the one thing you're going to have to think about for years to come is you're paying one safety 14 almost 15 million a year, you're paying another one 13 and a half. That's a lot of money to be throwing at two safeties when you don't have a lockdown corner. But I think it was better to get Thompson's contract out of the way now because to your point, he's been playing at the level of or if not greater than Buddha for as long as he's been a Cardinal. So he'd want more money next year when he exceeds the expectations again this year. So paying him now alleviates the problem you would have had next year by getting it out of the way this year. So to make a long story short, it was much better to pay Jalen Thompson now than later. Yeah, and if you're not going to have two lockdown corners on either side, then you better have two pretty good safeties over the top. And I think that that's going to play a huge role in how this defense plays this season. So we're... I think we're in agreement, though, that this is a good move for Jalen and oh, the team. Well, it's great for Jalen because he finally gets recognized. Right. He gets paid. I right. mean, two years ago, I don't even know that most Cardinals fans knew who he was. And now he's one of the best in the league at his position. So, yeah, it's obviously great for Jalen. How does it work out for the Cardinals? I think it's good. And they had some money to spend. Uh, they still have some cap space if they want to go out and bring in a veteran corner, which yeah, I they think they still is, got plenty of cap space. Yeah, I think it's a position you really have to take a good look at, especially with the news that we found out this week about Antonio Hamilton, who apparently injured himself while cooking. Yeah, so what had happened was he spilled hot oil on himself. And that's the worst, by the way. I've never spilled it, but I've gotten hit by oil. It's and awful. It sucks. He shared images on his Twitter account, and it's it's a little graphic if you haven't seen them for the first time. I wouldn't say it's as far as not safe for work, but it is sensitive material. Sure. It's on his feet, second degree burns, and on parts of his legs. And it's it like it's very clearly he got burned, and he's now going to be out for the first four weeks of the season, which. To your point about a weak cornerback room, 
and I can see it on your face right now, not good. I like Marco Wilson's athleticism. He's just not very experienced. He's going into his second season. I like Byron Murphy. I think he's, he could be a playmaker. I think he has good ball skills, but uh, he's not particularly great size for the position. I, I I don't know that he's an outside cornerback. I think he's probably a, a slot guy. So that kind of leaves a huge opening. And the coaching staff had talked about Antonio Hamilton like he was going to play his way into being on the field most downs. Mm-hmm. And so that's a significant loss. I mean, th- there's been a lot of freak stuff to happen in the cornerback room this offseason. They went out and got Jeff Gladney, and Jeff Gladney, unfortunately, passed away far too early. And then they didn't really do anything to replace him, on the roster at least. No. And then Antonio Recently Hamilton started climbing the, the ranks, and then this freak oil cooking accident happens. You know how, you know how I kind of see it? It's like every time the Cardinals have done something to improve the roster, something else negatively affects it as a result. They traded for Marquise Hollywood Brown. Oh, well, we talked about it. They need wide receiver depth. They need the help, yada, yada, yada. Oh, and DeAndre Hopkins is suspended for the first six games of the season. On some level, I think they knew that, though. I think they knew that was coming, and that's why they did. We found out that they knew that, and then the argument became, okay, but you still needed help, so why were you making this trade only after you found out this? Right. Now... You sign Jeff Gladney. He unfortunately passes away. Months later, they acquire Trayvon Mullen from the Raiders. They pick up Javelin Gidry off waivers from the Jets. So you've got cornerback depth now. And then you find out that your number two had an unfortunate accident with cooking oil and suffered second-degree burns. And he's going to be out for at least four weeks. Like... Every time you want something good to happen with this team, something bad follows it. By the way, you mentioned Mullen. That is exactly what we talked about at the end of last week's show. I mentioned to you, I forget what year it was, 2014 or something like that, 13, when the Cardinals went out and Steve Kime traded a conditional late-round pick to the Kansas City Chiefs to get Marcus, Marcus Cooper. Cooper. And I said, this is prob- This is what I said a week ago, yeah. that that's probably the best scenario you have to getting a cornerback. And they ended up doing something similar. I mean, it's not like Mullen, I expect to light the world on fire. He's not an elite corner by any means. Uh, clearly, if a team is willing to get rid of him right before the season starts, it's, it, you know, it's one man's trash is another man's treasure. I mean, like, that's how you're going to win this trade. Yeah. And so I don't know what role he's going to have, but it's certainly bigger today than it was two days ago before we found out that I mean, he Antonio might be Hamilton starting was out. Two now. He might be. It's a lot to ask, but if he's up for the task, and this is a former top pick, I believe a second-round pick, like top 40, you're expecting a lot out of him, but he's also expecting himself to deliver. All right, before we close out, because we got about a minute left, I really wanted to talk about the lines for this game. Yeah, on FanDuel. the betting lines, okay. So the spread for Cardinals-Chiefs, it's a spread of 3.5 right now in favor of Kansas City. You think the Cardinals can bring this within a field goal? I honestly thought that it would be much bigger. I thought it would be a touchdown, touchdown and a half in Kansas City's favor. That was just my expectation. Yeah. Um, listen, man, I, I hate to keep bringing it back to the defense, but the Cardinals spent like the fifth most money on their offense in the entire league. They are dead last in the league in defensive spending. Well, you want to know a sign of a bad defensive game? 53 and a half is the over-under on FanDuel. Yeah, they're going to try to be the seven seconds or less Suns. They're going to try to outscore everybody. Why do we need defense? The Cardinals the Chiefs. Well, the Cardinals. But the Chiefs are also a high-scoring offense. Mm-hmm. Their weapons look a little bit different now, though, so 
I, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I do think it's going to be somewhat of a shootout. And if you go money line, plus 166 to bet the cards. So at your own risk is what I will say. Hey, here's something cool. We've got local sports shows on this station on Labor Day. Yes, we do. You're going to want to tune in. Mitch and I will be here as well in the afternoon. So stick around for that as well. Thanks so much for checking out Arizona Sports Saturday. For Mitch Farrell, this is for Trevor Henry behind the glass. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.